Well, welcome to Women of Substance today. I'm Dr. Scarlett Horton, and I'm glad that you've joined me. I decided to do a little teaching today. Sometimes I like to do that and um, take one one woman from the Bible and kind of expand expound on her life and ministry. And uh, maybe it would encourage you to do bold things for the Lord yourself. So today I'm going to talk about Deborah. And of course, she is found in the Old Testament in the book of Judges and chapter four. So um, I'll read some of it and then I'm just going to tell some of it as well. But her story here is in Judges four and five. So um, she was actually a prophetess. She was called to fivefold ministry. Um, She was a judge also in that day. And um, it's so interesting because she was the only uh, recorded uh, judge uh, that was a woman in Israel. So uh, she stands out, her life stands out. And um, she comes across as a very faith-filled woman. And we'll read about that in a minute. Uh, She had tremendous wisdom and very fair, you know, fairness, and then obeyed the Lord. She um, encouraged others to obey the Lord too. And then, of course, she had great concern for, for her people because they were very oppressed at this time. In fact, um, Jabin, who was king of Canaan, was, uh, it was, it was, you know, kind of a horrible oppression, so much so that it's recorded that people didn't even like to travel. They didn't go on the, on the main roads. They would go on the by roads and kind of hide because of, uh, the danger. So, um, it was not a good time for the Israelites. So let's see what happens. Chapter, we'll uh, look at chapter four and then read a little bit here. The commander, uh, uh, we see he was um, in charge of the Canaanites and he had 900 chariots of iron. So this was a well-established military. And um, again, the children of Israel were uh, not only oppressed by them, but frightened. and. he had um, oppressed them for 20 years, the Bible says. So in verse four, Deborah, um, a prophetess, and she was also a wife. She judged Israel. And I love verse five. It says she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between these two places in Mount, uh, and, and the mountain. And then the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So here she is under a palm tree. Now, we, we're from Florida, so we like to hear about palm trees. What a what a wonderful place to to work, right? <laughs> Under a palm tree. So we see that uh, she she does this, and she actually called for Barak and asked him to come to her. Um, she had a word from the Lord, and this word was that God was calling. This is verse six. Was calling him to establish the forces, kind of marshal the forces together. And um, get 10,000 together and go to war to free the children of Israel. And um, he, she you know, gave him specific instructions that the Lord would, would help, that he would draw uh, him out to uh, the river. And there, um, Jabin's army would be defeated. And I love verse seven, because here's the declaration of faith. It says, 
I will, talking about God, said, I will deliver him into thine hand. So they knew the end from the beginning here. Deborah, by the Spirit of God, prophesied uh, what would happen. She said, the Lord will deliver him into thy, thy hand. Now, she was talking to Barak then that he would be the one that brought deliverance there. But listen to what he said, verse 8. Barak said unto her, if thou will go with me, then I will go. But if thou will not go with me, then I will not go. Now, this is interesting because here is a man, evidently a, a pretty bold and courageous man because he is a commander of 10,000, but he wants this woman to go to battle with him. And you might ask, why? Why would he want her to march? Now, he wanted her to march with them um, and uh, go with them. So why would he ask her to do that? Now, I feel like that he saw the anointing on her life. He knew that she had a connection with God and that that connection was what was going to put this army over, was going to bring victory to his army. And so um, I think he knew that if she was there with them, if God said anything or had any other directions, then she would tell him and then it would be done and then they would be uh, definitely successful in this war. So. He tells her, he said, I want you to go with me. <laughs> and um, verse nine, she said, okay, I'm going to go with you. I'll, I'll surely go with you. But this is what's going to happen now. This is because he was going to deliver um, uh, the the commanding officer of the opposing uh, tribe into your hand. But now he's going to deliver uh, Caesarea into the hand of a woman. Now, this is really a woman's story, isn't it? Here, here is the leader, um, the judge, the prophetess, and now she's saying that this uh, army commander will be subdued by a woman. Now, that's interesting. So here we go. And I think that shows so much of the heart of God. He's not against women. And I think religion at times has uh, portrayed God as a hater of women or um, not thinking women are significant or important. And, you know, they can't do anything in the ministry, you know, except nursery work or, you know, cooking in the kitchen for fellowship dinners. But I'm telling you, God had, if you really get into the word, you can see the mighty hand of God on many women. We've talked about it on this podcast. And here is a, a shining example of how he used not only uh, Deborah, but uh, another one we're going to talk about in a minute, too. So um, we move on down to verse 13, and we see these two uh, opposing um nations entering into war. And uh, Deborah said to Barak in verse 14, that this day, here it is, another statement of faith. This day is the day that the Lord hath delivered. Notice that was even past tense. It hadn't happened yet, but she's again, speaking faith, saying the end from the beginning. And really, that is what faith is about. When we walk in faith in our lives, 
We know what the word says about our situation, and we declare the end from the beginning. And uh, here she is doing this with, uh, with this war. And she said today that the Lord hath delivered Caesarea into thine hand is not the, uh, the Lord gone out before thee. So Barak went down from the mountain and 10,000 men after him. And then it says, I love this in the Amplified, the next next verse said, the Lord confused and terrified Caesarea and all the chariot drivers and all of his army. And uh, they were so scared that Caesarea, uh, he actually got off the chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued after the other ones and killed all of them. But Caesarea fled. And to the tent of Jael. Now, this is a woman. And she ran out and saw him. And she said, come, my Lord. This is verse 18. Turn aside to me. Have no fear. So he turned aside, went into the tent. And she covered him with a mantle, with like a rug. And um, she said, uh, he said, give me some water. Well, she got him some milk. I think it was like warm milk because it put him to sleep. <laughs> and they said he was exhausted anyway. But uh, he was sleeping so well that she snuck in and uh, she had a tent um, pin, kind of like a nail, a long nail, and took that with a hammer. In verse 21, it says, she went softly to him and drove the pin through his temple into the ground, for he was in a deep sleep from weariness, so he died. Now, isn't that interesting? Because she was taking a risk of her own life. I mean, he he, he possibly could have woken up and um, hurt her, but um, she uh, she nailed him, as as we say now <laughs> in, in our modern vernacular, and it's, and that's actually what happened. So he died. And Barak came to see what had happened, and she showed him the dead body. And verse 23 says, So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. Now look at verse 24. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered. Praise God. I'm telling you, after uh, these conflicts, many times in the word you'll see prosperity spring forward after um you know, what we could say the devil is defeated or the evil is defeated. And uh, praise God for prosperity. I'm telling you, it is all over the word of God, and he desires for you to have prosperity. So the children of Israel prospered. Now, chapter five is all a song about what happened. Uh, Deborah and Barak sung this song, and it's fascinating. I love the 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 way they just rehearsed the whole scenario again with a song. Um, one thing I wanted to point out in verse seven, this is chapter five, is that uh, they sang that Deborah was, or she arose as a mother in Israel. That's beautiful, isn't it? And with her concern for her people, her comforting ways, and um, maybe even nurturing as, as a woman, nothing wrong with that, you know. Um, they needed that during that time. And here, not only was she female and um, just uh, have all those feminine characteristics, but she was very strong and very brave. 
And so, uh, I, you know, I just love the whole fifth chapter. It's beautiful and I won't take time to read it, but I, um, I encourage you to read it because I think you'll get a lot out of it. It's just something that a woman speaking by the Spirit of God can speak to an army commander and tell him what God is saying, uh, prophesy what is going to happen, and then bring victory to her people. And the Bible says that after this song was sung, the people lived in peace and rest for 40 years. So it had quite an effect on um, this country. And um, I think that um, we see just such a mighty tale here, a story of um, what a woman can do and what God allowed her to do. He didn't say, well, we, you know, we're going to war here, so I've got to have uh, you know, Deborah stepped back and a man uh, become, you know, the judge and the prophet and whatever. Um, nothing wrong with men in leadership either. But I think it's just fascinating that the Lord chose her. So um, the, you know, the Bible continues to say, even into the New Testament, that in Christ, there's neither male nor female. And um, that doesn't mean we don't act like women or that we are not ladies or that um, we take on male characteristics. We don't have to do any of that. We can be our feminine selves and yet be powerful and strong and mighty and all the things that God wants us to be as, as far as even if he calls us to be leaders in, in whatever field we're in, we can certainly do that and do what God has for us to do. And um, I think that, you know, there's so much confusion today with with gender, et cetera. And, and you probably heard all about it, too, all over the news. Um, but I, I think it's nice to be who you are um, and that you can be very powerful and be very feminine. I remember a story about a minister and his daughter had uh, gone to law school. And this was way back, years and years and years ago, decades, really. Uh, I heard him telling this story. She had become an attorney and she uh, had come to him because she said, Dad, I'm in such a man's world right now. This, there's you know, many, many attorneys and most of them at that time were male. And she said, here I am in a male's world and I don't know quite what to do um, because I need to to come across as, as powerful and, and authoritative and I, you know, that I'm confident and know what I'm talking about as an attorney, but um, I just don't quite know how to operate in this world that I am find myself in. And he gave her the best, I think, the best advice. He said, um, you need to be who you are and be feminine because that's the most powerful thing about you is your femininity to be who you are. And I thought for so many years it ministered to me because I was called to ministry um, in 1980 and have been in ministry ever since. And, you know, it's changed some, but way back, it was kind of a man's world as well. And um, I think that those words helped me so much because I don't have to be, act like a man or be 
you know, rough and tough and I don't know, whatever, masculine, I can be feminine and be who I am for the Lord and called by God and anointed by God to accomplish his will in my life as I serve him. I don't have to try to act like a man or dress like a man or be a man. And uh, it has certainly helped me through the years. And I believe it's helped me minister not only to women, but to a lot of men. I've, I've noticed um, that in the meetings that I've had, conferences, et cetera, that a lot of men would attend, would come. So much so that I had Gulf Coast Women's Convention for years, and so many men came and asked me if they could come, and pastors, et cetera, and that I finally just changed it to an open meeting that it wasn't a women's meeting anymore because we were excluding people who really wanted to come and be there. But I do think that uh, that was a part of um, th- that helped me. And maybe, you know, maybe that'll help some of you as well. I hope so. But Deborah was certainly um, kind of in a man's world, too. She was the only woman judge. So there you go. But she just was beautiful in her calling and anointing here. So hopefully that will encourage you. I'm praying for you. I want you to be inspired and empowered today to do what God has called you to do. Amen. God bless you. Well, thank you for tuning in today to uh, this podcast. We have another one coming up. In fact, it's every other week, the first and third Friday. Hopefully this has spoken to you. If you would like to, we have a magazine. It's called Grace and Faith Journal, and it comes out once a quarter, and we'd love to send that to you. It has interesting articles, and then it tells what we're doing at Horton Ministries International to help people and to minister people around the world. If you want to email us at office at scarlethorton.com, then you can uh, give us your address. We can send you our Grace and Faith magazine. And if you're in Tampa, Florida, come see us at Grace Harvest Church. We pastor a local church here. Uh, But we mainly want to pray for you uh, and encourage you. So uh, again, if you need prayer, email us for prayer. We'd love to do that. And uh, tune in next time. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.